Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome into episode seven. I'm Adam Epstein alongside Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. And I want to let everybody know listening right now that there's only one player in the nation with an assist rate over 40% and a true shooting percentage over 60%. And he plays for the VCU Rams. His name is Ace Baldwin. How about that for a stat to start the show, Caleb? It's impressive, as we've talked about all season long up to this point. We go as Ace goes, and he's playing pretty well right now, so we need to get the pieces around him to kind of follow suit. Uh, you know, look at this past weekend, our blowout win against Northern Illinois. Ten points, eight assists, two steals, just setting the tone early, shooting five or seven from uh, the free throw line, and he's shooting five or 50% from three-point land right now, which, uh, you know, you can win a lot of games doing that. So. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's shoot some more. And uh, the, the other part about how good he is on offense, his defense is equally as good. He's, he's traditionally – each of the last three years, he's traditionally been rated as one of the most efficient defenders in Atlantic 10. Uh, one of the downsides of being VCU, we never get rewarded for our defense because we just play – across the board play great defense, but he's traditionally been a top five Ken Palm defender in all three years he's been in the, in the, in the A-10. So. And doing all of this while dealing with a broken uh, – what did you call that? Broken bone in his right hand and wrist and a sprain on the left wrist that is swelled up and so he's just doing an amazing job of battling through these injuries. Still has, as far as I know, still has two pins in his right hand, right? I, I, yeah. I, I feel like if I feel like we would know if they've been removed right now. So yeah. like he's still, I, I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to open them back up unless those things dissolve. Well, it's just somehow it hasn't affected his shot. And defensively, he's still sticking his hand into the cookie jar and coming out with steals. And, and so it's just in, incredible. Uh, the impact that he's made on this team this season. When Ace Baldwin is in the lineup, I feel like VCU has a chance to beat anyone. Without him, it's just not fun watching VCU basketball. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of a bummer. I've, you know, we've had a couple games this 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 season. You know, you look at Kennesaw State. You look at the games in Brooklyn, um, the Arizona State and Pitt game. But then there's been the Kennesaw State game. Howard was kind of a kind of a snoozer of a game. Uh, so it's been disappointing. I, I'm not expecting the team to be as good without him, but uh, with him in the lineup, it's just you're a competitor in the A10. You're a team that can compete for an NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, my my big uh, regret with him being in and out of the lineup is it's just not allowing us to gel on time. You know, hopefully at this point we'd be uh, what is it, ten games, eleven games together, and everyone would kind of know their roles and playing off of Ace and all that. So it's kind of been a little bit of a setback as we get into conference play. So last. Game out, VCU defeated Northern Illinois, had a 49-point first half, their most points scored in a half all year. I don't know about you guys, but what I noticed was the intensity was different. Like, I joked on the halftime show that you can hear from Rams Unlimited right here on 910 The Fan, I wanted to know what the guys ate for lunch because it was a Saturday 4 p.m. game, and I'd never seen VCU this season come out with that much aggressive energy. They uh, Shaka Smart used to say it all the time, ACL, aggressive, confident, loose. That's how the guys looked. They looked like they didn't have pressure. 
And uh, I think that's how we need to play. You look at the season so far, the only game that we had a double-digit lead at the half was Manhattan, the first game of the year. And that was a Manhattan team that had had their coach fired, like, what was it, seven days before the game started, before that game. So it, we, I think we've, we've all been saying we've been waiting. We, you know, we weren't expecting to beat Pitt or Arizona State or, or Temple. Or, we weren't expecting to have double-digit leads against those teams. But Howard, Morgan State, Kennesaw State, these are games where, you know, they're still Division One opponents. We were waiting for that game where you just come out and you just full force. I mean, David Shriver, what was it, two of the first few possessions he has a three. Uh, just This team needed a, a big win. I don't care who the opponent is, their Division One opponent, but we needed a win that was a blowout win, and it stayed a blowout win. They never got closer than like 24 in the second half, I want to say. so. And it was just good. I feel like me and you, Connor, a lot of the games were like, okay, try to cut it to like five at halftime. We are always trailing. Like Kennesaw State, we barely were leading at all, and um, some other games were just always behind, and this was great to see us get off to a fast start. It never like – I feel like Jacksonville – so many games it was like, hey, cut it to five, cut it to six. Temple, just, yeah. I mean, we and then the Howard game was kind of a snoozer. The Radford game, it looked like we didn't want to play bat. Like early on, it was okay, but the last like four or five minutes of the first half against Radford, I, f- I thought I was gonna, I, I thought I was watching like a, a youth basketball team playing and, basketball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah beginning that second half, it, yeah. it, it, it was bad because I'm I'm watching this game and I'm like, all right, I want to be up by fifteen at the under eight. I want to be up by twenty at half. I want to win by twenty five. Because I feel like we just haven't had those blowout victories. When you look at like Richmond and they beat someone by thirty, you're like, I want to do that. And uh, you know, I-, I wanted to see us put someone in their place like that. And I, uh, I hope we can do it more. Yeah, it's- it was interesting to me that we did it the first game that Brandon Johns Jr. wasn't able to play with a sore back. He was a late scratch. You mentioned Shriver got his first start. He hit three threes in the first four minutes of the game. Before the under-16 timeout, he had nine points, three of three from long range, and uh, he finished the game uh, with an impressive 14 points and two rebounds. But I also wanted to give a shout-out to Jameer Watkins, who had his best game of the season, 12 point, 22 points, very efficient, 8 of 12 from the field, and it was his most energetic game where I just felt like he got the ball, he was not afraid to go coast to coast. He was using his athletic ability, his size, to go to the basket and not settle for the outside shot. So I have comments on both the players you just mentioned. Uh, Shriver's an example of someone, and uh, the, the pod, the, our most previous pod, it was the game, we had it before the Jacksonville game. And um, we said, who are some guys who could break out in these final five out-of-conference games in December? Uh, we heard, I think Josh Banks was one. Nick Kern was one. Lawal was one. Schreiber was a big one. We were like, hey, this is kind of your make-or-break time. If you can't hit threes against some of these teams that are probably not tournament teams, good luck in the A-10 play. He gets an opportunity. Brandon John Jr. is out. And he, and, he, and he fulfills his opportunity. Big Played big minutes. You mentioned Jameer Watkins. Jameer Watkins, I think it was our, either our preseason pod or the pod right after the Manhattan game. My prediction was Jameer Watkins was going to be pretty good out of conference, but hey, you know, he's a guy, he had an ACL tear just 14 months ago. I, I feel like he's been gelling. You know, he's, he's always scored and always rebounded, but he's had a lot of turnovers this week. One turnover. That's the big thing I look at with Jameer. He's such a mismatch. He, he has some Vince Williams or Trevion Graham in him where he's so much bigger, but he's quick. He's fast. He needed a big game, 22 points. Hit two threes, eight to twelve from the floor, and had some. I mean, highlight dunk. So I love, I love what I saw from Jameer on Saturday. I feel like you could see the relief and the excitement in Shriver's face when you know he hit those first three out of four threes. Um, and then, like you were saying with Jameer, I think that you can see, you can literally see the rust coming off of him as he comes back from his injury. He's looking so much better every game. He underratedly, he was. I think he was the the vote getter his freshman year, twenty 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 one. He was like the, the sixth place vote getter 
for first team all freshman. So he was the one. He was the the freshman that was just outside the top five. The so snub. He, yeah, he wasn't. He, uh, Ace was on the first team. Um, I think Tyler Kolick from Mason, who's at Marquette now, was the player of the year and he averaged a bunch of points. But I think people forget how good Watkins was as a 19 year old. You know, he misses all last year, but getting a big game. I love. I'd love to see if he has another big game against Navy right before conference play. Yeah, I mean, you just need him to attack the basket, not settling for outside shots, and use his ability to handle the rock to get to his spots on the floor. You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Jones, Connor Bailey, Chris Mason, and myself, Adam Epstein. And it's been a while since we met here, all right? So we met December 6th. VCU then lost to Jacksonville the next night. But VCU, the Rams, on a three-game win streak. And I think one of the reasons why is because Jalen Deloach has stepped up on the defensive end. Last game, one steal to go along with two blocks. Game before that, one steal to go along with three blocks. And the game before that, against Howard, Jalen Deloach had six steals. And he was doing what I call the Mo Ali Cox move, which is if they're going to do a lazy pass back to the center at the top of the key, you steal that, you go coast to coast and dunk it. I love the energy you're getting from Jalen Deloach on the defensive end. Yeah, he's, he's really turned a corner on defense. He's walling up well in the post. He's, he's doing everything you could ask of him. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, I, I did not see that. So I don't know what, what kind of uh, switches flipped for him. But uh, we need to keep it up. One of the frustrating things on the offensive end with the Loach in the first few games, I think it was Manhattan, Morgan State. Uh, our games in he, he didn't have a good show in Brooklyn either. But it was he would get the ball in the paint and you'd kind of just throw up some fadeaway crap. I'll be honest with you. Whereas last year as a freshman, I loved watching Deloach play because I always felt he went up strong. He wouldn't always get a bucket. You know, he get blocked every now and then. But I thought early he was taking out of character shots early this year. I feel like he's kind of kind of um, made the game simple to himself. But like you said, these big shows, I, I love the Mo reference, Adam, because Mo was a king at just picking a pass off, you know. And and I've seen that from Deloach, specifically like the Howard game. Was it the Howard game he had six steals? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The Howard game is almost, you know, he didn't play against Jacksonville. He was he had an illness. But the Howard game felt like almost kind of a coming out party. And he's played great three games in a row. And I want to see it again against Navy, just like I want to see Watkins score again against Navy. I did hear something interesting from Rhodes, and they were talking about how uh, Howard liked to get their high post pass uh, really close to the perimeter, the three-point line, and that's something that they had scouted very well. And uh, Deloach clearly followed the scouting report because they tried to throw it too close into the paint, and he picked it off six times. I mean, it was the exact same thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, look at that stat line. Two times. assists, six steals, two blocks, 11 points, three rebounds. He did it all against Howard. Uh, but the last time out, VCU was at home against Northern Illinois. And so now it's time for Chris Mason crowd review. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, crowd rating. So I'm going to do something a little bit different this week. I was not in attendance for any of the past four games, Jacksonville, Howard, Radford, Northern Illinois. So I'm going to pull a Ryan Rossillo, Tales from the Couch, where he just <laughs> um, reviews games from his living room, which is what I did. And I was tuned into the Masson broadcast and big fan of Ed Nixon on the call. He was doing a great job, had some great jokes in there. So he was great. Um, good local broadcast. The crowd didn't look jam-packed at all I always judge it by can I see the letters spelled out like VCU the yellow seats and the Rams and I saw that all four games so um, but the students are gone and that slate I just read off is not a very enticing um, group of teams to spend money on like 25 or 30 dollars um, for a ticket 
and my cutoff's always like $20. Can I get, I like the little $10 ticket thing they've been doing. So um, I'm still grading on a curve, no students. So I'd give that like a C. But Adam, do you have any opinion on that? Well, I will say, look, the student section was lacking, right? But VCU did a really good job, Caleb. I don't know if it was the Howard game or it was the Radford game of having high schoolers take up the student section. It was the Howard game. It was a Sunday night. I didn't really expect many people to be there at all and we had a pretty good turnout i always my litmus test or whatever you want to call it is the corners i always look up there yeah. to see um how well those are filled out because i feel like that's a pretty good indication of our, our crowd i believe our, our friend ryan capacci uh from the peppas total package i believe he tweeted for the howard game that was that might have been high school band day mm. um so we i don't I, do I, that every game yeah, yeah right you ain't, you ain't kidding <laughs> i mean the band's great but you know more people more people more butts in the seats but I, I think that was high school band day i don't I want to say Monacan High School uh, and Chesterfield. I feel like I saw something on Twitter about them. So well, I, think I think they were he, there that I night. think he did another event like that for Northern Illinois. I mean, Ryan in his first year back is doing everything to pack the stew. Oh, uh, yeah. So he deserves a ton yeah. of credit. Plus, and, and, a, and a hat tip. Sorry not to interrupt you, but a hat tip to the band. Yeah. They sound better every and every game. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, so the band and the cheerleaders were really festive. I took a picture. I thought it was pretty cool. Now, cheerleaders probably do this every single year, and it's something that uh, they're used to. But they were able to like climb on top of each other to make themselves look like a tree instead of a pyramid. <laughs> well, they all had like uh, Santa hats on. I just thought it was cute. It was cool. Yeah, I, yeah, love I, all that. Didn't I see my, it on TV. I keep my eye out for that tomorrow. Usually, the game right before Christmas, they usually do a fun thing. Um, you know, like you said, they they always wear Santa hats, whether it be the the Gold Rush dancers or the cheerleaders. And uh, usually, I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was a game against Wichita State in 2018. I remember Rodney was out there dancing with the cheerleaders. So <laughs> tomorrow should be a good, tomorrow should be a little little more Christmassy, you know. Absolutely. But before we break down Navy, you're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. It's time for Caleb Jones, the Stat Monster. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the Stat Monster. So, an update on the number of turnovers that we had in the last four games and whether or not we could keep that at 12 or under. The first being Jacksonville University. We had eight, uh, which was pretty misleading. Uh, Clearly, we protected the ball that game, and we ended up losing by 11 to what I would consider an inferior opponent, um, which we could break down in several different ways, and I will get to that. Um, but Ace had an, had an assist-to-turnover ratio of 4-1, to one, so he wasn't coughing the ball up very much. Uh, Howard, we had 15 turnovers, uh, a little over what we want, but still not too, too bad. Uh, Ace didn't even play that game, so it's uh, still not a terrible turnover number. Uh, Radford, 25. Wow. I, uh, I actually missed that game. It was one um, of the sloppiest games I've ever seen. Right. And uh, thank, God that, thank God we were converting down in the post that game. Uh, because otherwise, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. Who had more turnovers, VCU or your uh, your rec ball team that night? Uh, you know what? I think VCU did because <laughs> we we won time. Otherwise, I would have been there for the second half. What was your stat line? Uh, probably like four points, eight rebounds. Damn, eight boards. Fifty fifty yeah. balls. I'm a glue guy now. The fifty fifty. <laughs> I told you guys this. The fifty fifty balls are where you use. Yeah, you, you know, I'm a hustler, baby. Me, we might have <laughs> to crash to one of your rec league games next season. Uh. Please do. Admission is $0. Chris, rate that. In the, in the budget, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Radford, 25 turnovers, six from ace with, with a one-to-one assisted turnover ratio. Uh, not good. Northern Illinois, 13. Ace with a four-to-one assisted turnover ratio, eight assists. Good. I'll take that. 
Yeah, um, we had a few late. We had a few late turnovers. Yeah. Like I, oh, yeah, like three or four. I want to say at the in the last four minutes. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I don't. Obviously, we're picking out Ace because he's our quarterback and do everything guy. Um, there are turnovers that I've noticed that Ace makes a perfect read and a perfect pass, and it just goes off someone's hands, and you're like. Well, Ace gets credited with this. It's like a quarterback in the NFL. He you does throw a force dart it sometimes, it though. So, yeah. like, oh, yeah, last totally. game he had one pass where he got past his defender and then reached around another defender to throw it to the corner, and, and it just went out of bounds. Yeah. I think it might have hit off somebody. But it's like, that is so hard of a yeah. pass to make, to reach around a defender mm-hmm. and to throw that. I mean, look, give him credit for trying it, and most of the time he does hit on those. Yeah. But, I, look, I, I talked to him before the season. He doesn't even want to have one turnover yeah. per game, right? So it's something that it, it's mindful to him. Yeah. But he also is one of those guys that he tries to fit it into small windows. He does, yeah. He'll make some ridiculous passes, and obviously the flip side of that, he'll get some turnovers too. And that's why I think it's so important. But uh, our Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency is at 45. We've been hovering in that same range for, it feels like, the entire season. Uh, but we are 250th on offense, so still that needs a ton of work. Even with us scoring like 90 points. Yeah, night. even yeah, even <laughs> with our best offensive game in the last four. Um, our Deloach fouls per 40. He didn't play against Jacksonville, um, and I do think we missed him pretty badly in that game because uh, Mike Marsh killed us. Um, he had three against Howard. He fouled out against Radford yeah. and two against Northern Illinois. So he was not doing too, too bad. Um, so, uh, But, yeah, I, j- I just look for that trend to continue where he's not getting into terrible foul trouble. So the Ken Palm offensive efficiency rating, besides the number – from what you've seen, does it feel like the offense is getting better? Does it feel like the offense is improving? Yeah, and uh, actually, that's a great question because it leads me into my next, uh, my my first note, and that is our three point shooting. Uh, Jacksonville, we are five for twenty eight, and all I have written down here is yikes. <laughs> that's absolutely abysmal, and it's the reason we lost the game. We lost by eleven. Uh, Jacksonville shot, what is it? Uh, they shot 50% from three, whereas we shot 17.9%. We were yeah. five for 28. They were nine for 18. I have a feeling Jacksonville there is going to end up in the NCAA tournament just because point guard Kevion Nolan is so good. That guy, I mean, and that, you know, we were making a push at the end there and ace got a hand. I mean, he was picking his nose. The guy <laughs> hit a shot. Right. I mean, it, it, and it was huge. It was like, Probably three minutes left, and we cut it to eight or six or something. Else. Like, Here we go. Yeah, yeah. We got we cut it to six when the, yeah. that big three happened. Yeah. Connor, do you know what loss? This is random. What quad loss at Jacksonville is? Oh, um, you know I know. It's currently a quad <laughs> three loss because they're they're ranked one fourteen. Ouch! Net. And I think Temple's a quad three loss. Right? Yeah, and it's hovering on a. Oh, actually, it's what's it's, the cutoff again? Sorry. Uh, quad quadrant three is seventy six to one sixty at home. Jacksonville's one fourteen. Uh, away games are 136 to 240. And Temple's – Ken Palm's like 110. Their net's 180, so they're way back in the net. Um, mm-hmm. I have a whole uh, couple things to say about the net right now or in, 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 a, in a couple segments from now. So trust me, we're, we're going to talk, talk about this again. <laughs> um, all right, so Howard, we were 5 for 21 from 3. Again, yikes, but trending a little better. Radford, 3 for 7. Whoa, 7 attempted threes, and you're hitting – Pretty much half of them. Yeah, I, I talked to Rodney Ashby about that, and he was like, yeah, just the game plan was to go inside yeah, yeah. and take advantage of our so, size. Northern Illinois, 7 for 16. Great. Again, kind of a low number of attempts. But, and this is the main note, that, or my main takeaway, 
is we made a clear and concerted effort to pound the paint. And we've been talking about this. We want to play inside out. We want to get paint touches with Deloach and Johns and either kick out of the post or convert on easy baskets. So I love seeing that the guys are paying attention to the game plan and starting to execute because I do think it's going to open up the floor a lot. You mentioned the paint touches for Deloach and Johns Jr. I totally agree, but I think you need to include Jameer Watkins on that because sure. we can't have him shooting six or seven threes a game. No, he's got to slash and, and get to the hole and right. be aggressive. Right. And uh, as he gets more comfortable, uh, you know, coming. I mean, he looks great in transition right but now. But think about how much of the game last season yeah. Vince Williams spent in the oh, paint. Yeah. I mean, Compare he, that to what Jameer's doing. It's not enough. Yeah. I was just looking at the Jacksonville stat line for Jameer. He was 0 for 7, three-pointers, yeah. 0 for 8 total, zero points. And then the other game versus Northern Illinois, he had like 22. Yeah, I mean, what a difference. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely a lot of positives to draw from. The competition was not elite by any means, but we are trending in the right direction, and I think that we have a good offensive game plan that we can build off of. All right, now it's time to go around the A-10 as conference play begins December 31st when LaSalle comes to the Seagull Center. Connor, I'll throw to you. For starters, do you guys know how many quad one and quad quad one and quad two total wins the Atlantic 10 has as of Sunday? Doesn't sound like a lot. Four. Uh, so, uh, yeah, quad one and quad five. two con- t- together. Okay, five. The answer is six. Uh, last year at this point, through the same amount of games, we had 15. Two years Ooh, ago. Holy, or excuse me. Uh, yes, last year, was, <laughs> last year was 15. Um, 2017, 2018, the year Rodi and Bonaventure were both at large as it was 13. Uh, I, I don't have the data for two years ago because it was a lot less games because the season didn't start until Thanksgiving. So just um, for a non-stat nerd, are you just saying the A-10 sucks? Is that the overall? Yeah, the, overall, the, this is actually the best overall record the A10s oh, had. Well, in yeah, the, in, thanks, in, in, thank you, Fordham. Yeah, thank you, Fordham and, and UMass yeah. for playing Duquesne nobody. For playing. Right. Uh, you, you, UMass, UMass has actually had a decent schedule. Duquesne and Fordham, I agree. They haven't played like, anyone. Colorado had that one. Every, yeah. Or, I mean, so, what, what, UMass or Colorado. I, so, Hold on. Robbie was going through um, <laughs> what is the, what's the Fordham schedule, and he was just naming these teams. He was like, they they ought to feel, feel like Muhammad Ali after this schedule mm-hmm. of games. Fordham's 11-1. Ten <laughs> of their wins are against current quad four teams, which, hey, you, you win games, that's good, and Fordham played a lot better last year, but a team I'm, I'm, I want to see them in A10 play before I know anything. How many right. games into A10 play will they drop to the bottom of the standings? <laughs> you know, I, and, and that's a great question. And what I'm going to get at is, so far in the A10, there's four, t- there's 15 teams now with Loyola. There's four teams that look like the bottom four in any order, and it's you, you can probably guess the four, Caleb. <laughs> yeah, I mean Rhode Island, GW, uh, uh, who else we got? Sorry. Philly School, St. Joe's, and LaSalle. Yeah. So those four there. blatantly look like the four worst teams in any order. If you want to mix them, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say St. Louis is definitely the best team. How they're, did Rhode Island get so bad so quickly? Uh, uh, their new, form, new coach, new coach, and their previous coach was a, kind of a jerk and hated VCU. But that's a different conversation for a different day. I hate. Uh, hated David Cobb. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm not going to say St. Louis is the bar none the best team. They're the one team I can tell you right now. They look like a top four team in the A10. They have the least amount of weaknesses. I feel like St. Louis, and I still have some question about their defense and if they have a go-to player. But they, they have the best wins. They have two quad one and two wins. St. Louis has the top end talent to keep them at the top of the league. I, I mean, I think they've had some. They've dropped some bad games out of conference, but in the end. I don't see them not being number one unless, you know, obviously we can turn it on big time. And that's that's kind of looking at it. I don't know if they're a oh, knockout number one. They definitely look like a top four team right now. So they have two of the of the six quad one win, quad one and two wins. They beat Memphis at home and Providence on a neutral site. UMass has 
Colorado. two. They have Colorado neutral site, and they beat Charlotte down in Charleston. Oh. Charlotte's a top seventy-five team. That's we have one. You know our you know our quad two win. Uh, was that Pitt? Yeah, they're currently new, uh, net seventy-five, and then Loyola beat Clemson a week and a half ago oh. on a neutral site. They're ninety-one. So I, I kind of look at the A ten. You you know going around the whole conference. St. Louis looks like a top team. They're they're right now probably the favorite, but we'll see what happens. There's a bottom four. Could a team like Fordham or someone sneak in there? Maybe. Maybe St. Bonaventure. I just think those four are blatantly worse than everyone else. Two to 11 just feels wide open. And Dayton and VCU feel like two teams. They've played a little better in the last few games. They have the talent. Can they rise up? UMass has good wins, a very good defense. Offenses, if they don't, if uh, Fernandez isn't playing, they're they're like ace. They just they look like a completely different team. Duquesne, good offense. They don't play any defense. They, their three-point shooting is awful. Then you have teams like Richmond who beat a good Toledo team by 30 beat a you know bad teams like Fairleigh Dickinson by 30 and they get boat raced by Clemson so that Richmond's kind of here and there they've been Jekyll and Hyde big time so I, there's there's some good teams I still think this is we're a team that can finish in the top four Loyola's looked bad all year and they beat the crap out of Clemson a week and a half ago yeah and so, then go go to overtime at home against uh Fairleigh Dickinson the first game of the yeah, year it, well I forget who it was but it was the last game they played they looked so and not then, great. And then Davidson, Davidson's a team that's looked mediocre this year. They 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 hung with Purdue, the number one team in the nation, at a neutral site the whole game. Mm-hmm. So right now, I you ask going around the A ten. I think St. Louis is an easy top four team. There's four teams in the and there's teams t- two to eleven. I think VCU and Dayton are towards the top. I think Bonaventure, maybe Mason, maybe Loyola are towards the bottom. It's it, does UMass finish third? Or do they finish seventh? Does Davidson finish fourth? Or do they finish seventh? Uh, does Loyola finish eighth or or fifth? I. Time will tell. And it's I say A-10. Dayton has to get healthy because they had the Kobe Elvis and Malachi Smith yeah. injuries. Yeah, so. you know, I, I personally, um, based on the injuries that I saw, like watching them live, I don't think I don't know if those guys are coming back this year. You think so? I think, I, Smith, no. I think Smith might come back. You think Malachi? Might? Yeah, yeah. Tell, Kobe is that the same ankle that he's had that's, hurt? I don't because know. The that's the that. big question because that thing has been. I mean, he heard it. In the, he heard it against U of R in the A ten tournament. Yeah. And then he heard it again right before the season started. I mean, he's going to have to get surgery on that thing. And I'm obviously not not a doctor, but once those ligaments get stretched out, they're not coming back unless you have surgery. So, so the A10 um, schedule begins in about ten days. St. Louis against St. Joe's on that Saturday. Rhodey against Duquesne. U of R, JMU, UMass at St. Bonaventure. Dayton at Davidson, that's going to be a good game. GW at Loyola, Chicago, and VCU at LaSalle. But first, let's preview. Navy, the midshipmen coming to the Seagull Center for a Wednesday night affair. Connor, how do you see this one playing out? So, bottom line, I, I actually really enjoyed seeing this game early in the season on the schedule, mainly because Navy currently, as of I think it's as of Sunday, they're 11th in the nation right now. They're 11th in the nation in shooting threes. Or I think it's 11th, 11th in the nation in three-point percentage. They shoot a lot of them, and they're forty. They shoot forty percent right now, so they get up a lot of threes. They're not the biggest team in the world in the in in the country. I think the tallest guy on the rock or tallest six, rotational, eight. yeah, the tallest rotational player, six foot eight. Uh, this team they beat UVA at JPJ last year. They got to win it against UVA. UVA yeah. not a great team last year. NIT team. It's a pretty similar roster, though. So I mean, I mean, these guys can play. This, Obviously, UVA is this cool. feels like a kind of a a, a warm up for a, maybe a Davidson. Um, do, Duquesne can score. Uh, Richmond typically in the past has good three-point shooting teams. This year, their offense is actually kind of shaky. Yeah, it but, reminds me of that Richmond-Davidson type of game. I mean, they're going to be very efficient on the offensive end, right? They're going to force uh, us just, to come away with some steals. I would not expect Northern Illinois game Saturday. I, I, I want to win by uh, – you know, I want to win convincingly. I wouldn't expect a game where we just blow the team out from, from day one. But kind of kind of do what we've gone the last few games. Pound it inside. Throw it to Deloach. If you th- pound it into Deloach and then none comes around a screen, he's open for three, kick it to him. But we're so much bigger than them. Yeah. Biggest thing is 
We it, the, this past week not as much, but we had a couple games in a row like Jacksonville, even Radford. Way too many open three point attempts. None of we we can't be doing that because Navy hits them. They shoot forty percent from three. That's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just reading a high level view, reading down their. It looks like their top ten uh, minute getters. Uh, they have one guy that shoots below thirty percent from three. 48, 40, 48, 31, Jeez. 40, 60, 35, 48, 41. These guys can stroke the ball. So, uh, we, yeah, we have to kind of overwhelm them with athleticism and run them off the three-point line. Make them make them take the ball to the hole. Yeah, if, if they get if they get a wide-open layup every, every couple possessions is what it is, just pound it right in their throat. But uh, I don't want to be in a situation where they take 25 threes and 10 to 15 of them are really good looks because they're going to hit them. They're, they, yeah. All of a sudden, you know, say they hit eight, Eight, ten threes, that's, yeah. that's 30, and, it's 30 and, points right there. And historically, we've defended the three-point line very well, and this season's kind of been a little bit of an anomaly, hopefully. Yeah. So uh, we need to buckle down and, and defend the three here. And like you said, it is good prep for teams like uh, Richmond and Davidson and so on. Do you think we see VCU go with the full-court press, or do we see them back off a little bit? I hope so. Tempo favors us a ton. Not on, not just on defense, but on offense too. You got to get out and transition against a smaller team like this. You have to. All right, now it's time for this day, this week in VCU history. We hand it off to Connor Bailey. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. Growing up in Midlothian, Virginia, 15, 20 minutes from Richmond, grew up as a VCU fan, and I say with straight, straight face, I hated the Virginia Tech Hokies. I hated the Hokies. <laughs> All my friends were Hokie fans. Virginia Tech football, for the, the better part of the late 90s, throughout the 2000s until probably 2011, was the most popular team in any sport in the Richmond area. Yeah. It, more, than, more, than any, more than the Washington football franchise. Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech fans were everywhere. I grew up with a bunch of Virginia Tech fans. If you think Virginia Tech football fans are bad, their ba- basketball fans are worse because they, they didn't know anything. So, growing up my whole life, I always wanted BC to play Tech. We were Metro Conference rivals back in the 90s. Uh, when, when Caleb was a little guy, he probably remember some of those games. But we used, to, we used to play Tech regularly, even in the 80s in the, in the Richmond Times Dispatch tournaments. But we didn't play them for a good while. Uh, based off my, my records, we played them in 96, excuse me, 95, or last year in the, last year in the, Metro, uh, the Metro Conference, which became the Conference USA. And then we didn't play them again until 2013 December <laughs> December 21st 2013 which when Navy's the our game against Navy is on the 21st it'll be exactly nine years since this game so a little backstory uh, my freshman year at BCU 2011 2012 then Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell created a tournament called the Governor's Holiday Hoops Classic so in December 2012 it was at the Richmond Coliseum the luxurious Richmond Coliseum in 2012 UVA played ODU and George Mason played Richmond. George Mason won. ODU had a bad ODU team. That was Blaine Taylor's last year. They went 5-25, and 25 and UVA was a one seed in the NIT. That was like their worst loss of the year that barely kept them out of the tournament. So that was year one. Year two, VCU, Tech. The early game was JMU Hampton. So uh, we're on Christmas break. I'm a junior in college. Chris and I, you know, re- recently friends at that point, we actually – I wouldn't say camped out. We hung out at the Coliseum all day because, remember, it was like 75 degrees in Richmond that day. It was like a really warm December day. We stood outside for a good hour and a half maybe, and then we got in, and then we watched the JMU Hampton game from the student section. So, like, we watched JMU Hampton play ahead of time. So we're sitting there kind of miserable. But as the game goes, you know, as the game's about to start, you know, Tech fans rolling in, VCU fans rolling in. Tech hits two early threes. 
Uh, Jarrell Eddy, I remember he was a really good player. Played for the Spurs for a little bit. Hit, hit, hit one or two threes. They're up 6 nothing. They're up 8-6. to six. Does anyone remember what happened after Tech led 8-6? to six? 31. Uh, Melvin Johnson. Yeah, 31 over run or something. 31 over run. <laughs> 31 over run. Yeah. And it, it, I just remember Mel, Melvin's a sophomore. That's I'm pretty sure he still had braces. If he didn't have braces, then uh, he still yeah. like was kind of braces, Melvin. And we're, uh, you know, Tech fans are kind of getting a little loud, and then it's Melvin hits a three. Oh, Mo gets a – I remember Mo had one of those – Adam, you mentioned earlier, one of those kind of interception run down the court and dunks. Yeah. Javante Reddick, who had somewhat of a disappointing senior year, still stat-wise was good, but remember people were sometimes – we, we didn't feel like we were getting his best effort. I remember he had like three putbacks in a row, and I'm pumped up. I'm wearing my Bradford Burgess jersey before I had Burgess on the back. But uh, it was just a fun game. I grew up my whole life. The, the, I grew up my whole life being a VCU fan, not like in tech. The biggest thing for me is I remember when I was in high school, this is peak Seth Greenberg being on the bubble for Virginia Tech. And I told all my tech friends, I'm like, I want to play you guys. I want to beat y'all by 30. Do you guys know what the final score was? VCU won by 30. VCU won 82 to 52. We beat the Hokies by 30. 30, and it was just an awesome feeling. I don't care how bad Tech was that year. It was just an awesome feeling. Yeah, this I had completely forgotten pregame, but um, now that you say it, I remember there's a Facebook picture we got on TV, and it's like a screenshot of me and Connor going wild <laughs> on so, TV, like the screenshot yeah. of the score. So this was after we had left the CAA, right? This is year two of the A-10. Yeah. yeah. So I remember going back to our beloved, uh, what do you want to call it, Brown Spaceship, the Coliseum, been about giving it, all those uh, the same the smell oh, the asbestos on the ceiling all the, <laughs> all the things you loved about it but it was so good being back. It had been you know we beat Drex on the CA title in March of twelve. This is December thirteenth. This is about twenty one months after twenty one months had passed. Um, but I mean you said spe- visible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind, of, I mean, it kind of just drizzles <laughs> on you while you watch. Uh, elephant poop, straight yeah. up, just from, the, from Barnum yeah. and Bailey, the circus. The, the um, cleanup job after the yeah. Ringling Brothers. We had definitely gone good. to see it in indoor football game Dude, at we, this Coliseum that, earlier that year. Richmond right? Raiders, Brian Randall, Virginia Tech grad, was the QB of that team. Yeah, um, but that uh, the exhaust from the monster trucks, popcorn reeks throughout the building. It's just it's a beautiful, ugly building. But uh, overall, it was a fun win. Melvin Johnson went nuclear. Um, before I kind of get into the fun question. He was eight of eleven from three that day. Jeez. Eight of eleven. He just like I remember he was just getting. It was one of those. Melvin was a had a quick release, but it was one of those. I felt like it, it was like a turbo. He would get the ball and just pop it, and it would just go in. I love so. that. And Tech hasn't played us since. Tech has not played yeah. us since then. They won't play us. And um, that's that's the only time we played him in in my my not my whole lifetime, but in the time I've been watching basketball. So I'm glad you brought that game up because I remember it was my first game ever as a media member sitting courtside. And so I just thought I had the greatest view in the world. It was an awesome game. VCU jumped out to an unbelievable run. What was it, like 30 nothing or something like so, that, that one run? So I was saying, we were down 8-6. to six. Tech led 8-6. to six. We went on a 31-0 run to go, up 30, to go up 37-8. And there were a few timeouts called in that run, and, and the crowd three. would go nuts, and it just it didn't stop our run. And so at halftime of that game, I have a vivid memory of Stan Van Gundy. I don't, I don't know if he was on the call or if he was just at the game. Stop by shook my hand, and said it was nice to meet me. And I have no no idea why. <laughs> I'll still never know why, right? But I'll just I'll never forget that because he was a hero of mine back then. <laughs> so just awesome experience. We beat the crap out of the Hokies. And it, uh, pod, our, our pod tonight is the day before the Navy game. Navy game tomorrow is the 21st, exactly nine years since the day. So with that said, can you name that starting five? I feel like yeah. I can, but Caleb, well, Adam, you're you know the guy. What? All right. Um how about you take it? Oh, Adam, you, how about are you, you take it? To be it's wrong. Chris, yeah, it's, it's the holiday season. You know what? I will say it's, it is the third day of Hanukkah. All right, there you go. So, there, you go. there you go. All right. Briante Weber. Give me a ding or a. Uh. Yes. Trevion Graham. Yes. 
Javante Reddick. Yes. Mo Ali Cox. Eh. Oh, Rob Brandenburg. Yes. Melvin. So Melvin was off the bench. Oh, no, 19, no, no, no. 19 minutes. No, D- DJ Haley? No. DJ Haley's gone by then. Theus? No. Uh, no, no, no. Theus no. in there. Jared Guest started. Jared Guest did not start. He played 12 minutes off oh, the bench. Was it Jaquan? Jaquan played 17 minutes off the bench. Was it a big man I'm missing, or uh, is it a guard? Big dude who shot line drive three-pointers. Burgess? <laughs> yeah, Jordan Burgess started 15 minutes. <laughs> so th- we're going to have a little fun here, though. So Javante started, played 25 minutes. Jordan Burgess played 15 minutes. Trevion Graham played 23. Weber, 24. Brandenburg, 26. Uh, only two double-digit scores. Melvin Johnson played 19 minutes off the bench with 27 points. So eight of eight of those. 27 hit, points yeah. in 19 minutes. Yeah, he had, he had eight threes and three free throws. That's what he did. Um, Reddick had 10 points. Everyone else was single digits. So you guys mentioned so the five starters, Reddick, Burgess, Graham, Weber, Brandenburg. I mentioned Melvin. We mentioned Guest, Moe, and I heard of Jaquan Lewis in there. So that's nine players. Yep. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Oh, 15 players played in this game. Can you name the other six right now? All right, Tory Burston got into the game. Tory Burston played one minute. That's number ten. Teddy Oki Rafer. He's not. The, he's at Ryder then. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Williams. Uh, he's not at VCU yet. Ah, here's a poll. Uh, Emerson. Emerson Burke. Burke played one minute. That's eleven right <laughs> there. You got four more. Oh my God, Emerson. He transferred to D- William and Ma- no Mary. Yeah. Yes, excuse me. I think you got. You, I think we've, we've. I think we've said twelve already. Yeah, we got Doug Brooks. Doug Brooks played eight minutes in that game. Nice. Okay. So we got not Terrence Shannon. Terrence Shannon played 13 minutes. Woo! Nice. All right, we're one away. So you got one more. Ooh. 15 mm. guys played Ger- that. Jaron uh, Sism. Uh, that was, I think it was Will Wade's first. Jarius Lyles. Jarius Lyles played two minutes in that game. Nice. Oh! So. Oh! And then ended up upsetting UVA with UMBC. Yeah. Jarius Lyles, shout out to him for carving out a nice college career after it just didn't yeah. work out. Robert at VCU. Morris originally, then UMBC. But hey, uh, Cam, overall, why do you think it didn't work out at VCU for Jarius Lyles? Just a log jam in front of him. Too many guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, right. if he waited, that's all. Yeah, all right. Well, while we're talking about this, people yeah. waiting their turn and trusting the process. Josh Banks. Josh Banks. Josh, Josh Banks. Banks. Yes. Trust the trust the banks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's good because yeah. like you see yes. a guy going through it. Yeah. And he's coming out the other end. Uh, I mean, hopefully, I mean, he's a better man for yeah. it. Jarius is an example of someone who no, point I mean, guards t- tougher. Sure. I love Banks. I love that Banks I mean, has been hooping this year. So he's shooting like forty four percent from three. <laughs> if you guys haven't heard, you should check out my interview with Jaden Nunn from last week. Sat down with him for thirty minutes, uh, breaking down his play from freshman year to sophomore year and what he's looking forward in the future and it was a great conversation you can find that by searching AWOD radio on iTunes or Spotify but during the interview Josh Banks walks by and he starts making faces and joking around while I'm doing the interview and I'm like dude Cut it, cut it out. But at the same time, I loved it because Jaden Nunn kind of opened up and he was smiling. And I could, it was like in the back of my head, I was like, that's how comfortable Josh Banks is in his everyday clothes, everything that he does now at VCU. He's just more comfortable. Yeah, I mean, you don't see it everywhere, but these guys really do care about each other. And that's one thing that I love about Rhodes in this program. These guys are, are tight. It's and, family. Uh, it's family. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, when, when you know the game's close, that's what you got to be. And uh, hopefully that pays dividends for us. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, and now it's time for AWOD's Energy. It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? All right, my energy involves 
The three-point shooting against Northern Illinois. Six of ten in the first half. We mentioned David Shriver, three of three in the first four minutes. That's what VCU basketball is about. The crowd was exploding with energy. Everyone was fired up. VCU raced out to a lead by like 15 points there. When VCU, with the defense that we play, if we're hitting three-pointers, I mean, I, I'm not lying, VCU could beat Kansas again. VCU could beat Michigan. VCU could take on Villanova. VCU could beat Gonzaga. If the three-point shot is falling with the type of defense that we play, we are a top 25 team. It doesn't matter who's on the roster. Problem is, is this was like the first game all season where we were really consistently hitting the three-point shot. I want to see it against Navy because we know Navy's going to, they're going to punch us with some three-pointers. Navy doesn't want to play a game where they got to throw the ball inside and make a couple layups. They're not going to win that. They're going to try to hit some three-pointers. I say press them early. I say press Navy early and let's, let's shoot some open threes. None has an open three. Pop it, man. It's been long overdue, and the big question for me now is, with these past few games, have we turned a corner? Are we starting to turn a corner, uh, or was it a bit of an anomaly, and uh, we're kind of going to go back to our offensive woes? And I'm really hoping for the former there. Yeah, I mean, after a 27-point victory, you hope that that's something you can build off of, and 22 points from Jimmy or Watkins, he's one of our most important pieces moving forward. And past Navy, looking to LaSalle, our first A-10 game, it's at the Stew. We have our podcast artist, Ted, who did our um, art on our social media, so he's coming into town. Oh, so, sweet. Yeah, he'll be there. He did a film, Aftershock, in 2016, so excited for A-10 play and New Year's Eve, 2 o'clock tip. So. I said, let's get a win against Navy. Get a win against Navy. Players go home for Christmas, see their families and stuff, we eat a bunch of food, and then we come back out, and then it's New Year's Eve, it's conference play, and it's, I mean... You know, John Rostein, he'll give us the countdown. It's you know, it's, it'll be days till March. Next thing you know, it's March here. So let's get it rolling. So, what? hey, real quick, Chris. So, do you know where people can find and actually watch Aftershock? Because I want to give it a shout out. Because I remember watching it when he first uh, dropped the documentary. That is like life after Shock is smart. It's such a brilliant idea from Teddy. Yeah, great job. I believe it's Hulu, but I'll check with it, him. And uh... far before I ever met you guys, I watched that, and it's awesome. Oh, you have seen I've it. I've seen it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know how, obviously. Yeah, right. Eat, eat, eat and breathe uh, VCU basketball, and somehow I saw a link. It's my team somewhere. My club baseball team. Yeah. Man. I was most a, people I was are second baseman. It's good. <laughs> Late night searching porn. <laughs> Caleb finds aftershock of VCU basketball. It's the good stuff, man. <laughs> Hey, Thanks man. to everybody for listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. For Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, Chris Mason, I'm Adam Epstein. We'll see you guys next week on The Fan.